Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for our weekly wrap. A headline that Singaporeans are talking about. A local headline, by the way. Prices of food, transportation and energy here have been going up so fast that Singapore is now facing a cost of living crisis. Those are the comments from Workers' Party MP James Lim on Tuesday when he spoke in Parliament. He added that the situation's gone beyond an inflation problem. He also stressed that the government must do more to help. Now, uh, Associate Professor Lim suggested several ways that this could be done, including strengthening the Singapore dollar and spending more funds to support those who need it the most. Now, in response, we have Minister of State for Trade and Industry, Alvin Tan, saying that the government plans and executes its fiscal policies for the long term, but maintains dexterity to zoom into details that matter on the ground to Singaporeans as well as local businesses. Its approach focuses on strong job creation and wage growth as the best ways to help Singaporeans tied over the current economic difficulties and on making sure that the country has sufficient resources to tackle long-term challenges. Well, let's discuss this issue and the potential of it being a cost-of-living crisis, the best approach potentially as well. On the line with me this morning is Terence Ho, Associate Professor in Practice, Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. Prof, good morning. How are you? Uh, Very good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to this discussion, a bit of a sparring contest. James Lim and Alvin Tan, of course, in Parliament. In your opinion, (laughs) who do you think won this debate? Right. Yeah, I'd rather not frame it as who won or who lost, as I think both members of the House, they raised uh, considered points and they communicated them clearly. So from that perspective, both did well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also relatable, right? Which is quite important as government leaders in that sense. Prof, I wonder if we can look at a sociology perspective. Why is it always put on policymakers to solve these sort of problems, especially when it comes to cost of living? I mean, it's not like they can control the food prices or petrol prices, or can they? Right. Well, there are indeed policy levers, both monetary and fiscal, that can be exercised to moderate price increases and provide help to citizens. So from that point of view, there is a case to turn to policymakers, but has been recognized many of the driving forces for cost increases are external, and that limits to what government can do. For example, imposing artificial price caps would be too distortive, as many have recognized. Mm, mm. Prof, can a government, in another sense, and I bet a lot of people talk about this over dinner, right? Can a government just Mm. decree that, okay, everything just be made cheaper, and... And all companies, your salaries, you must pay higher. I mean, from an economic framework point of view, is this possible? Well, in a market economy, of course, it's not possible to fix wages and prices throughout the economy. Mm. But there are ways to influence supply and demand. So, for instance, if you look at food supply, the government has the triple strategy of first ensuring some local production, second, stockpiling, and third, diversification of supply sources. And in other areas, you can look at demand management as well. For example, in housing, you could cool demand through macroprudential or cooling measures such as high stamp duties. So, in other words, if we're really going to benefit from this, A, it's going to take time, and B, it could really be much worse than what we're facing now when you consider the crisis in Ukraine, right? Yeah. Okay. As far as Singaporeans are concerned, right, do you think there is a hidden cost to government assistance? And what I mean by this is, do you think we tend to underestimate the effect of drawing from reserves? It's so easy to just say it out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So government spending is never costless. It has to come either from increased tax or in Singapore's case, a larger draw on reserves. In other countries, they may have to borrow. So there's always a real trade-off between the present and future consumption, as well as between who bears the burden, whether it's current or 
future generation. So the issue of reserves and what is an appropriate rate of drawdown has been debated many times over the years. I think will continue to be debated. Yeah, for sure. Prof, I was wondering on another point. I mean, Singapore is an aging population. That's definitely going to represent another challenge to the cost of living as we go along, right? What about a complete tax restructure to solve this? Uh, just to explain where I'm drawing inspiration from, right? You look at countries, say Germany, for example, where, of course, taxes are much higher than here in Singapore, but things like medical, school, those are heavily subsidized or even free. Wouldn't that mean better qualified people who can get better jobs and better salary? Would that work? Well, I, first of all, I think Singapore will not make too drastic changes to the tax structure because they value the predictable environment for investment and so on. Yeah. And certain principles, I think, are still salient, like keeping the tax burden low, especially for the middle class, to encourage effort and enterprise. And of course, the government's also concerned about capital flight, with, for example, high taxes on assets, for such as financial assets and posts. So while greater revenues will certainly be needed in the years ahead, I think the government will adopt a balanced approach by drawing more from each of the various existing sources of taxes and revenues and maybe seeking some additional sources. Okay. Prof, Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong said in Parliament this week that uh, any delay in the increase of GST would be what he called highly irresponsible since it would put Singapore at risk of persistent structural funding gap, which will continue to widen year by year. What is your opinion of this, Prof? I think there's a case indeed to go ahead with the planned GST hike, even in the current inflationary environment, since the government has other means to flow back support to households that need it. And already the GST hike has been deferred in two steps. Given that inflation may be elevated for some time, there may not necessarily be a better window in which to raise the GST. And as has been pointed out, the structural spending needs are already growing. Mm-hmm. Prof, there's a lot of talk about the change in 5Cs, the whole cash card, credit yeah. card type thing. Of course, we'll always need cash. To how Singaporeans are looking at a more value-based sort of 5Cs, like, for example, compassion, charity, things like that. Mm-hmm. Is it time then for a wider debate on Singaporean identity? Because when you say Singaporeans, you tend to think, okay, they mm-hmm. study, get higher education, go out, work, money, 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 more money. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think for some time now, many Singaporeans have been calling for a more compassionate society, one that places more emphasis on uh, having, you know, work-life balance and on the individual and so on and so forth, and respect for different people from different walks of life. So this is not new in a sense. We've had various national conversations in the past from OSC, I think in 2012. However, the Singapore identity will continue to evolve. So I do hope to see more discussion and elaboration on this under the Forward Singapore exercise. Yeah, that actually is quite an interesting piece that's been brought up. I mean, just to dive a little bit into the Forward Singapore exercise, your thoughts on how it can potentially sort of aid in Singaporeans trying to tackle cost of living because you can also adjust your own personal cost of living, right? Mm, Right. Yeah, so I think people are already sharing tips of how to stretch a dollar and how to support one another, whether it's in the family or the wider community. And I think more of this will come out through the various conversations under Forward Singapore, given that there will be many different interfaces and different settings where discussions will take place, involving different people with different life experiences and expertise. Yeah, it sounds like we're at a stage that perhaps by the time we figure it out, we might be over the supply chain hurdle issues, but you know, there will always be new ones. I suppose, Prof, I mean, in your opinion, I guess this is quite a general question, right? 
What else do you think needs to be done when it comes to tackling the issue of cost of living? It's always easy to say, okay, government has to do something. But as a Singaporean, what is your opinion of this? Yeah, so I think even for the government or what the administration can do, I think beyond the obvious, which is greater subsidies and support, I would still encourage a deeper dive into looking over the medium term into the supply and demand issues that I mentioned Mm -hmm. and whether uh, more can be done to offer a range of affordable options. So in terms of, you know, some people have even mentioned what's the balance between, let's say, hawker centres versus uh, privately owned and run food courts. So there's a lot that we can look into to see there can be a range of options over the medium to long term to keep Singapore affordable for the average Singaporean and also particularly those from the lower income part of the income distribution. And of course, on the individual basis, a lot is to do with expectations, financial planning. Do we consume, you know, every dollar that we earn or how much are we setting aside for insurance, for precautionary savings? And are we overextending ourselves in terms of purchasing major assets? And (laughs) yeah, so I think there's a lot that, that as an individual we can do and that we can do with our family and our community. Yeah, you say that as a Lazada 7-7 just went past. <laughs> but also, I mean, it feels, it's like we're at a bit of a crossroads because this week we had these sky-high COE prices released and then you right. have the question of, okay, wait, but you still have this green plan that you've come up with. So then how are you incentivizing the adoption of <laughs> EV or is the transportation system able to take on, I mean, is it such an attractive option that, yeah, we don't need cars, especially the families with kids, right? It's like a crossroads that we're at. Yeah, so I think right now we're trying to balance both the immediate concerns, which are quite stark in terms of inflation, as well as pressing ahead with that medium to longer term structural adjustments that need to take place. So fortunately, uh, we can ease some of the immediate pressures and also smoothen that transition Mm. because Singapore has the fiscal resources to do so. But it's important uh, not to lose sight of that need for that structural change, whether it's to raise the incomes of the lower wage professions or whether it's that green transition to a less carbon intensive economy and getting people to, for example, adopt more public transport rather than private cars. So I think these are structural issues that we need to press ahead with the long term as well. Yeah, looks like the debate continues. I've been speaking with uh, Terence Ho, Associate Professor in Practice, Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. Prof, appreciate your time this morning. Take care. Have a great weekend, yeah? Yeah, take care. Uh, thank you again. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.